Hello and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Lauren Council, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. So welcome to the JAD Podcast. My name is Dr. Jackie Dosal. I'm a dermatologist and private practice in Coral Gables and voluntary faculty at the University of Miami. And I'm here with Dr. Amit Garg, the lead investigator of the study that we're going to be discussing today on hydradenitis superativa. Dr. Garg, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Dr. Dosal, for inviting me to this podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. I am professor and chair of the Department of Dermatology at the Zucker School of Medicine for Hofstra Northwell. And my practice is largely a medical dermatology practice. I focus on inflammatory and autoimmune diseases, and and within that, HS has become a specialty of ours. The journal that we're actually talking about today is titled Evaluating Unmet Needs in Hydradenitis Superativa, Results from a Global Voice Project. So this is a wonderful study, and what prompted you and your team to undertake this study? Well, as our listeners will appreciate, HS is a debilitating disease that has substantial impact on skin-specific quality of life, probably more so than any other dermatologic condition. And we also know that HS is linked to a significant comorbidity burden and is associated with increased mortality. And yet, there's a sense among HS patients that they haven't been fully embraced by the medical community and that awareness of the disease is very poor. And I think many experts would also agree with this patient perspective. So the purpose of this project was really to evaluate the unmet needs in HS from the perspective of patients with the goal of supporting awareness initiatives in both public and medical sectors. And we hope that this will help marshal in new models of care, advances in treatment, development of the research agenda, as well as advocacy and philanthropy efforts. It's really remarkable how woefully this study was needed because I think you're absolutely right. I think providers would probably agree that our HS patients have not been fully embraced. I know a lot of people get frustrated when they see an HS patient on their schedule because I think a lot of us feel powerless. Do you have any thoughts on why HS has been so understudied? It's an interesting observation. Historically, you know, even if we look at the number of publications in HS, you know, psoriasis publications outnumber HS publications by 20 to 1. That ratio has improved over recent years, but based on peer-reviewed publications in HS, I would argue that uh, HS is indeed vastly understudied. I think HS still lags far behind in new data, particularly in the domains of translational science and, and consequently treatment. We've seen an uptick in the number of publications over the past three to four years, so I think there is some momentum, especially in the areas of disease measurement, quality of life, and comorbid associations. Yeah, and hopefully that continues to, that trend continues. Because one of the remarkable things about your study was that when you surveyed these patients, almost 75% of the patients had to visit their doctor over five times before getting a diagnosis, and on average, 10 years before getting a formal diagnosis. Uh, That's really pretty terrible. Why do you think that is? Yeah, overall, I think that poor disease awareness is really the paramount issue. HS can't be on the differential if you've never heard of it. And so patients presenting with boils are most often misdiagnosed with having an inflamed cyst, 
an abscess or even cellulitis when they show up to, let's say, an ED or even in the ambulatory setting, not in dermatology offices. They're treated with repeated INTs, prolonged courses of antibiotics, uh, often administered intravenously as part of you know, hospital admission, and sometimes even surgery for presumed necrotizing fasciitis. I've had patients who've been diagnosed as such and have had extensive debridement surgeries treating for presumed neck fasci. So I agree that uh, delays in diagnosis is really a sad story because I do feel like that with an improved sort of awareness initiative around what HS is, how it presents, how it's different from some of its other common mimics, all of these can really bring that delay in diagnosis down from what is about 10 years now, hopefully soon after onset of symptoms. And when we identify the disease early and manage it appropriately, it's possible we may be able to change the course of disease. Absolutely, because we know that the disease itself is destructive, and so if you can get that before it destroys some of that tissue with sinuses and fissures, I feel like it would make a huge difference. And that leads me to the fact that these patients also said that most of them were diagnosed by a dermatologist, 54% were diagnosed by a dermatologist, but most of them had difficulty getting access to a dermatologist. So we're in this really stuck place where patients can't get seen and they're not getting the appropriate diagnosis. And so they're waiting 10 years and having destructive pathology occur, and I think that's a real shame. I agree. I think dermatologists have a very important role, perhaps a primary role, in the evaluation and management of HS patients. I think we need to do a better job at messaging the expertise of dermatologists Mm -hmm. in evaluating HS. There's no doubt about that. Unfortunately, we also know that only about one in five patients with HS has an established relationship with a dermatologist, at least in the United States. Patients don't really know to see a dermatologist for their boils, and non-dermatologists may not immediately recognize the condition as an inflammatory disease. Patients eventually make their way to dermatologists, albeit perhaps at a more advanced stage, at which point they are likely to then receive the correct diagnosis. You're right, patients also often express a difficulty in accessing a dermatologist, and I think that one's on us. As the experts on this condition, we just have to do a better job at taking in these patients, especially during flares, probably even when it means overbooking or putting us a little behind schedule. Yeah, I think you're right, because these types of flares really are so painful for the patient, which we'll get into more later. You know, it's a shame for them to have to wait. And your study did touch on that. Were you surprised to hear how often patients actually experience flares? Well, there's probably an opportunity there for dermatologists who are less familiar with HS to take away something from this study as well. I would say that the frequency of flares described by patients in this analysis are pretty typical of patients with moderate to severe disease. And these flares are often accompanied by exacerbations in pain, drainage, and odor, So it's really a difficult situation, and the data is really remarkable. I really think it does sort of tell the story of a patient who's got uh, moderately active disease. Flares really are a significant issue for these patients. Yeah, I was surprised by the numbers that the patients quoted. So in my mind, I thought that many patients had monthly flares, and in your study, it was 31%. But then 30% said they flared weekly, and 23% said they flared daily, which is just a terrible way to live life. So... I was surprised by that. I was more frequent than I thought, so I actually learned something from this. So thank you. And again, leading back to access. So it can be (laughs) terrible for patients to have to wait longer 
because I can't get in to see a dermatologist. So uh, I agree with you. I think we have to make ourselves available and help the people that need help. Now, moving on, let's talk about pain. So pain was a big part of the study, and patients rated this as a major part of their life. And pain was rated moderate or higher in 61% of patients. You know, I know we feel pretty helpless with this issue, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding opioid and narcotic use. And so this is a, a, a real issue that needs fixing. So what do you think about that? Pain really is the most important symptom for HS patients. HS patients experience pain constantly at a baseline, and then most have flares uh, on a pretty frequent basis, which then worsens their pain. While patients may not talk much about their pain to dermatologists, we should be rest assured that they are experiencing it. We've published a couple studies now which describe use of opioids and even other substances among HS patients, and pain is very likely to be a strong contributing factor driving this. And I agree with you. We do feel quite powerless when we can recognize uh, patients struggling and not really have any immediate ways to help. I think our role in helping to address this pain problem is to optimize treatment, to control inflammation, which is causing pain, and also just make sure, again, that we can offer access to acute interventions uh, to help control flares uh, when patients are experiencing them. I also think we can probably do a better job at just simply asking patients about pain and you know, opening the door to conversations and facilitating ways for patients to be able to safely address pain. But controlling inflammation and access to us during times of acute flares, I think, is certainly needed. Absolutely. And you touched on this earlier, but let's spend another moment on quality of life for these patients. So we know that HS affects their quality of life. And we know that it hasn't gotten as much press as, say, psoriasis. So I'm very grateful that this study was done because it really brings awareness to how difficult this condition can be for patients. And I think quality of life measures are super important because they help us justify treatments and they help us justify new medications and research. Do you agree? Yes. Overall, I would agree with a few of your sentiments. I don't think HS has enough awareness or press, if you will, as do some other conditions in dermatology. I guess you know, psoriasis would be a good example. I'm not certain that it's because HS patients really have been quiet about it. Unfortunately, I think it may just be that HS patients probably haven't been adequately heard by the medical community in general. And again, this was the main motivation, I think, for us to pursue giving them another pathway to quote-unquote voice their unmet needs. And you're absolutely right. Life impact for this disease is high and likely more significant than most other diseases in medicine, not just dermatology. We have a new disease-specific quality of life tool called the HiSqual, which I think does a very nice job at capturing life impact for HS patients across a number of domains. And this tool was the basis for describing the life impact of HS patients in our article. So readers, in looking at that data, looking at that table, readers may not be so surprised in the ways that HS affects patients, but they certainly might be surprised by the degree to which HS impacts the lives of HS patients. Yeah, I would agree. And I was pleased to see that you also included a metric on disability rate. And not surprising that HS patients had a higher disability rate than other chronic dermatologic diseases. Any thoughts on that? 
I think the description around disability was also very remarkable. Being able to reliably work or study or go to school is really an unknown for HS patients. Patients have difficult time getting or maintaining a job. Absenteeism can be a regular issue. Patients are often passed over for promotion. And, in, you know, in many instances, as we described, functional limitations and pain prevent patients from working altogether. So when you have one in 11 or 12 patients who are physically disabled from their disease, it really is striking. Yeah, it's quite a lot to take in. And patients also talk about their interactions with the medical community. So they talk about their interactions with physicians, with current medical treatments, and as well as surgical treatments. And most of them didn't get great scores. What do you mm. think of that? I think the sentiment is reflective of many issues. Probably most notably, this historically slow-moving push to advance treatments in HS. However, that is changing. For the first time in HS, we have a number of large-scale interventional trials with more sophisticated therapies, some of them totally novel, and others already in use for other indications. And I really try to convey this sense of optimism to patients that shortly there'll be several new options for treatment, at least one of which, you know, may work very effectively for you. I also think it's important for HS patients just to feel that they've been heard. We can't fix everything today, but I think supporting patients in their journey goes a long way in shaping their outlook and I think can help also change their sort of perception of their interactions with the medical community. Absolutely, and I do agree with you that sometimes all our visit is just about listening and we don't change any treatment course or any treatment plan. Sometimes it's, it's very worthwhile for the patient and what they needed. And I like your words about optimism because your study showed that patients were not very optimistic, very low. So their level of optimism within the next three months was low or very low in 46%. So to be able to tell people that there's new stuff coming down the pipeline, that's probably all they need to hear, that they're not stuck with this for the rest of their life, that maybe there is something that they can do. So I think that's really, really important. Now, talking about treatment, you did take some statistics on what the most common treatments were prescribed. Can you say a word about that? Yeah, you know, we just wanted to sort of get a general description of what HS patients have tried for their condition, not necessarily sort of knowing exactly what worked. I think that's highly variable. But what we found was that the most frequently used treatments, as we might expect, were oral antibiotics, intralesional steroids, and biologics, namely adalimumab and infliximab, which are TNF-alpha inhibitors. But what we saw were that HS patients tried over 20 different medical treatments and six different types of procedures for HS, and still satisfaction with treatment is low. So that itself really is an indication of the unmet need around highly effective treatments. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and why optimism is so important, because when you go around the ringer and you try so many different things, it's hard to be optimistic. Finally, let's also talk about comorbidities. Very important in this disease. What type of comorbidities did you see in the HS patients who responded to the survey? Yeah, so we're really learning a lot about comorbid disease associations in HS, and this is probably one of the more active areas of HS research at present. We recently published a paper showing that overall comorbidity burden among HS patients was, in fact, higher than in even psoriasis patients, and HS patients who had higher comorbidity 
We're also five times as likely to die, have mortality within five years compared to patients who had a low comorbidity burden. So comorbid disease is a really highly relevant issue in HS. And there are a number of ways in which HS patients may develop comorbid disease. So, you know, HS itself is an inflammatory disease, and it may share immune pathways with other comorbid conditions. HS patients also tend to have characteristics, such as tobacco smoking, for example, which, you know, augment their susceptibility to comorbidities. And then, of course, there's the life impact of the disease that contributes in and of itself to a heavy comorbidity burden. Now, in this study, patients reported high frequencies of a number of different conditions. Some of the more remarkable ones to me included the usual suspects, uh, you know, diabetes, uh, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, heart disease, PCOS, IBD, and then there were some lesser-known ones, but really important ones, including infertility, arthritis, substance abuse, sexual dysfunction, so really a gamut of comorbidities, if you will. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true that it affected many different organ systems more than just the usual suspects, as you mentioned. And I also would like to touch on the substance abuse issue, too. It really was notable that there was a higher rate of substance abuse in HS patients than the average population. And I guess this isn't very surprising. And along the same lines, there was also higher rates of depression and anxiety, which ties into substance abuse. And this was a statistic I did not know, that 1 in 11 patients reported suicidal ideation or an attempt, which is alarmingly high, as we know that there is an association between HS and completed suicide. So please expand on this. This actually is a fairly urgent part of your study. I would say that if there is one comorbidity we all need to pay attention to, it's the near and present danger of, you know, mental health comorbidities. As you just pointed out, anxiety and depression were the most frequent comorbidities reported. And as you mentioned, 1 in 11 patients in this, you know, worldwide survey reported either having thought about suicide or, or even having attempted it. And, and that's just mind-blowing. This is a very difficult thing. We as dermatologists feel a little bit uncomfortable with addressing mental health issues. It's not really in our scope of practice. We haven't really had adequate training on it. So it's a hard thing to try to address. And yet, we really should probably try to find better ways at opening the conversation on how patients are coping with their disease. There are some very simple and quick uh, screens for depression, including one called the PHQ-2. It's a two-question assessment that we can use to engage patients in a conversation around seeking outside help to support their mental health. So while we can't fully address this problem, I think we can be open to a conversation around it and certainly facilitate pathways for patients to get the mental health support uh, they need, you know, as they struggle with this disease. I think you're absolutely right. And just a simple, how are you doing? Do you need to talk to anybody? Can go a really long way, at least acknowledging that maybe they are struggling. That can sometimes be the nudge to get the help that they need. So I think that's fantastic that you bring awareness to this. Well, great. Are there any other final words you'd like to share with our listeners? I think in general, I'd like to say, and, and we sort of stated this in the article, that addressing all these unmet needs that we've identified is likely to necessitate a shared vision among all stakeholders, including patients, experts, physicians outside of dermatology, scientists, industry, regulatory agencies, philanthropists, advocates, everybody to ultimately 
get to the vision of health that I think we share with patients who struggle with this disease. I think I would just like to end by making the acknowledgement to all of my colleagues that HS is a difficult condition to treat and our patients do face a number of challenges. This is a group of patients for whom we really do need to go the extra mile every time. You know, we care so much for our patients and it's really frustrating, I think, to us when we can't get them better all the time. So I guess I would really just say thank you to all the dermatologists and all the physicians uh, on behalf of all of our patients who took the survey for, you know, caring for the HS patients. Keep doing what you do and don't give up on doing everything you can possibly do for HS patients. I think that's a fabulous message. So thank you so much, Dr. Gard, for joining us. And that'll conclude our JAD podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much.